Good morning. This is Darrell Gunter, your host for Leadership on WSOU 89.5 FM and streaming on the net at WSOU.net. We're so pleased to have Miss Debbie Kirkland in our studio today to tell us about her program with Afrocentric Parties as well as the work she does for Eyes of New Jersey. Debbie, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here. If you could, uh, could you share with our audience a little bit about your background sure. and how you came about to okay. launch this business, Afrocentric I will Parties. tell you my long story, and I hope it interests you. <laughs> well, um, I have a background in radio, and um, I started off uh, maybe when I was about 17 years old. I went on a product uh, um, uh, a seminar. It wasn't a seminar. It was a product taste test type deal, and the product was Johnson's and Johnson's baby oil. And the actual, do you like it? Do you not like it? And whatever I said, they used it in a radio commercial. And uh, at 17, I was also at the crossroads where I was getting ready to graduate from high school, going on to college, but I wasn't really sure what I really wanted to do. And one day in the midst of all of this, after I've done this product taste test or a sampling of this product, I go downstairs to the mailbox and there is a residual check for six hundred dollars, and back in the mid seventies, I was like, "Oh my God, oh my God!" <laughs> Overwhelmed, and I said, "Well, maybe this is what I'll do with my life. I'll uh, get into radio." Uh, from there, I went to a few technical schools. I was attending college, but they really weren't offering communications like they do now—radio or television production. I'm from New York City. I'm from Harlem. And uh, in Midtown, there were a couple of schools, like the New York School of Announcing and Speech and uh, MBS Studios. You paid them a weekly fee, and they would teach you how to use the board and how to talk to the uh, talk on the microphone and what a public service announcement was, all these things that you needed to know for radio. And eventually, I wound up in a program called uh, the Community Film Workshop. Their thrust was film and television, but broadcasting is broadcasting, and uh, I was able to get into that program. It was headed by uh, a gentleman, his name is Dick Martin, and it was a CETA training program. That's something that they had before Reaganomics, I guess, where there were a lot of training programs for underemployed, non-employed, people of color um, type situations. And I was able to get into this program. And there, there were real professionals in television and film and radio who really gave us a broader insight into the business. One of the things that they did Uh, because they were funded by the government is that they had to really place people in jobs. And I was able to take advantage of that. I was placed in a radio job in Tulsa, Oklahoma. (laughs) And coming from Harlem, going to Tulsa, it was kind of a big cultural shock, but it was great. I got to really learn all the things that you needed to know about radio. And I stayed out there maybe about two years or so. And I came back to New York and just through 
God's grace, I got a job in the New York market at my first radio job for the, in the New York market, which is the number one market in the nation, was at WWRL. And at the time, and it was on the Queens. So radio announcer. Radio announcer. Uh, their format, uh, when I was in Tulsa, was the R&B or um, classic R&B mm -hmm. radio. And uh, at RL, it was uh, inspirational gospel. So I did that. But for, was that like seven days a week, 24 hours a day uh, gospel? Uh, yes, I believe so. It, it wow. was like talk slash gospel. Okay. Uh, and at nighttime, there was a show that came along with uh, Bob Law called Night Talk. Okay. Uh, and that that was talk. And, but mm -hmm. from 6 a.m. on to about 10 p.m., it was all music. All but, all, gospel but, music. but all gospel. Wow. Mm -hmm. Gospel inspiration. It was really, it was really pretty, a pretty cool experience. Um, they changed their format. I was there with them for maybe about 13 uh, years, and they changed their format. And when a station changes its formats, oh, every announcer is going. <laughs> right. It's called cleaning. So right after you were notified that um, you were being laid off from your position, what was the first thing, thoughts that crossed your mind in regards to stable employment, stable right, career? Exactly. But but now, exactly. I it happened on a Friday afternoon. Uh, they called us in. I worked in Queens. I lived in New Jersey. And I was like, okay, um, you could have told me this over the phone. I could have saved it. <laughs> but immediately I went into, okay, well, I, I need a job. I just bought a house, car, kind of not newly divorced, but I was a single mm -hmm. parent. And um, I said, well, I know I did uh, storytelling at my son's uh, school, uh, which was St. Michael's. You had to do some volunteer hours as a parent. So I would read to the kids in the mm -hmm. library, and the kids would sort of love it. So I was like, well, maybe. And I did a lot of reading to my son as well. Mm -hmm. And I also realized, uh, being African-American, that there wasn't a lot, a lot of literature. There's plenty out there now. It wasn't a lot of things I could read to him that reflected our culture. And even though I did a good mix, but sometimes I just wanted some things mm -hmm. to talk about us and our heritage. So I came up with the concept of storytelling, African storytelling, and African art and craft. Uh, a little Swahili, mm -hmm. African musical instruments, and put it mm -hmm. together in one little package. And uh, that's how I started my company, Afrocentric Parties. Now, the, mm -hmm. the African stories, mm -hmm. do you folk, what, what century do you focus on? Or do you right. give them a, a, a taste of? Right. I, I just so had happened to have a, a book mm -hmm. about Anansi the Spider. Because, again, I read to my kid a lot and mm -hmm. also to his, his, his fellow students. And uh, Anansi the Spider, there's a whole series. Uh, and it's from, uh, it's from the Ashanti people from Ghana, West Africa. So there were, like, so many stories. And I said, okay, <laughs> a couple of these will do. And when I put the package together, um, I had to figure out how to market it. And at the time there, uh, I believe this magazine still exists. It's called The Family Magazine. It's free. It's always at the doctor's office. Family Matters, maybe? Family Magazine. Magazine, okay. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's published here in New Jersey. Mm -hmm. And uh, it deals with, like, you know, sending your kid to good schools. You know what? And, I've seen it. Uh, yeah. It's free. Yeah. It's always at the doctor's office, at the shop, right? It's around. And... Uh, 
in the back of it, they do have a listing of uh, uh, things to do with your kids. You know, the museum and ceramics and birthday party clowns and and uh, mad scientists and stuff like that. So I put an ad in. And this woman in Plainfield, New Jersey, God bless her. I've lost her information since then. But she called and hired me. <laughs> and I was so nervous. But it must have been okay because she actually paid me. And one of her uh, girlfriends were there. And they hired me for the very next weekend. And then all I can say now is that the rest has been history. And uh, how many parties do you do in a given month? Well, I would say maybe when the high part, the high peak of my season, maybe one a weekend. Uh, in the summertime, I do a lot of daycare centers. So I try to do five or four or something like that. Sometimes twice a day. Uh, Kwanzaa is uh, very, very soon upon us. And that's one of my high peak seasons. Uh, Martin Luther King's birthday is the high peak season. Uh, even though it's only one day, I try to get a couple in around that time. Black History Month, yay. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, uh, and then the summertime. Mm-hmm. So it, it kind of fluctuates. And then what happens with me is that um, I've been getting long-term contracts, so different schools will say, will you come in on a regular basis and do storytelling for our facility? So that's kind of where I am now. That's a nice customer to have. I'm not <laughs> mad at anybody. <laughs> <laughs> now, have, have you uh, included... Uh, recent black history in your storytelling? I always do. It It depends on what demographic I'm dealing with. Mm -hmm. Uh, Generally speaking, if I'm doing a younger group and Mm -hmm. a client is asking specifically for African Mm storytelling, time telling, I I deal with the Nancy the Spider and a couple of other stories like that. But I've had the honor and the privilege to... The Bridges program, which was a alternative high school program for the Orange uh, Board of Education, I was hired to come in and do cultural presentations with these at-risk high school students as a way of encouraging them, uh, letting them know that they come from a mighty race, from a mighty past, like they too can achieve it. So it wasn't necessarily storytelling, but definitely focusing on on some of our greats. And I mean, I did movie directors and recording artists and people who came up from nowhere who today were very, very successful. And also I tried to keep it with people that they knew about, people that they could relate to. Now, the at-risk Mm-hmm. And I hold were these uh, young high folks? school students. High school students. So I would say sixteen, fifteen. And, 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 and before your discussion with mm-hmm. them, mm-hmm. who were their the people that they looked up to? Oh, and where? And you know, and it, it was kind of, of a, kind of a sad situation. Yeah. Uh, we are we are we are in a sad situation. A lot of the kids uh, from the environment they uh, were uh, maybe not all gang members, but on the fringe of of gangs. So I can't say they really looked up to these people, but these were the people that were certainly influencing their lives and their lifestyles. So it was tricky. Not all of them, not every kid. And sometimes they weren't really looking up to these people, but that's just that was the trend. So you're almost afraid to say, well, yeah, I kind of dug, I kind of dig, you know, Martin Luther King. You know, you got to be all hard well, speaking and stuff that, like that. Did they that. understand who Martin Luther King oh, was cool. and the right. contribution that he 
I mean, it was hard. Yeah, it, it was it was tricky. Martin Luther King is somebody that everybody knows about. Um, and I almost tried to really not talk about Martin Luther King because even when I was a kid, when we had Negro History Week, that is who we talked about. So I, I really would try to go with um, entrepreneurs. Uh, they were the kids were into hustling, so I would try to talk to them about people who were able to make lots of money doing something legitimate. For example, one uh, one series I did with them was with uh, was on uh, Carol's daughters. Carol's daughter makes these um, um, products, uh, 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 beauty products. They're all natural. This is a, a sister. She started out in Brooklyn in her kitchen uh, on the stove making all kinds of lotions and potions out of natural ingredients. And now her stuff is being sold on QVC. I'm sure you've heard of her. And she's had investors like Will Smith and Jada Smith and Mary okay. J. Blige. She's, she like blew up as the kids said. Right. So that was the kind of thing, like, yeah. you, you didn't have to have a master's degree. You didn't have, and not to say that she does or she doesn't, because I really right. don't know. Right. But this is something that this woman decided to do in her right. kitchen, right. and she was able to market it, research it, develop it, and become a millionaire. So those were the kinds of things that I did with them. These are everyday people that you, that are still alive, right. that are walking around, that wear right. jeans and sneakers like you, or, right. or just an average person who thought about it and found a way to overcome. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, how long this program uh, was it uh, a five-week right. program or? no it was it was like part of their regular mm -hmm. semester they were in an alternative school which means that they could no longer really function in the regular high school so right. they had to come to this program five days a week all day long and mm -hmm. um you met with them like every day every day one right. period uh whole day i spent the entire day with them the whole day right but it wasn't just okay. my presentation uh -huh. that was part of part of the day and mm -hmm. then i kind of did support because i'm also um a substitute teacher right. i've passed the right. praxis uh, my four-year degree and are you still uh, doing this program no actually program? um the program got phased out um and it's, why was it's, that well well I'm not really sure. I think the person who brought it to the district uh, actually left the district. So sometimes that the, happens. The champion but, leaves, yeah. Yeah, she was this lady. Yeah. Her name is Barbara Clark, okay. wonderful woman. She retired. And then it kind of got, I, I think the program is still running, but it's kind of going in a different direction. And they also, at that point, didn't really mm -hmm. see the necessity of having a person like me right. doing the cultural experience. Were you with the able kids. to measure the success of the program before and after um, any way where they could say, you know, um, right. these, these young folks? Getting this type of mentorship to help them to go the right direction versus the wrong direction. I can't, you know, those kids um, were uh, extremely troubled. So when you say troubled, how troubled were these kids? Mm -hmm. Well, for example, we lost two kids. We had a small group of kids, maybe about a dozen or so. Uh, one day a kid left. Uh, his teacher didn't want him to go. I wasn't there that day. Uh, and he just insisted on leaving the building. And he left with uh, another classmate. And they went up to the corner and they got a slice of pizza. And uh, one went left and the other one went right. And the one that went right, well, somebody started chasing him. 
and he ran and ran. And when he ran into the, the, the building where he lived at, there was another guy waiting there and killed him. This is like 16 year old kid. So it, it, this is trouble, yeah. troubled. Uh, another kid was sitting on his porch. Um, I think it was around Labor Day weekend, uh, right before we were scheduled to come back to school and was murdered. So, mm. you know, it's a gang affiliation. Um, they're hard, but they really aren't hard. Um, sometimes they do things without thinking. Um, <sighs> troubled. Yeah. <laughs> Not all of them. Right. Uh, a lot of them kept getting arrested. I had right. one kid who uh, uh, liked to steal cars. <laughs> and his thrill was being chased by police. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> that's not a good idea. Uh, but being that he was like, under a certain age, he felt like all he would have to do is go to the youth house and all his homies would be there. And it, it begins that cycle of it's fun to go to jail. So just to try to bring them out of that concept mm. was truly a daily challenge and so mm -hmm. what were some of the things that you did in the class mm -hmm. to shift their mind mm -hmm. from mm -hmm. doing well, doing doing things that are not helpful to them to right. doing things that are okay. productive for them so one of the things that i was able to uh uh help read to them was the autobiography on malcolm x because the first part of the book, Malcolm X is doing everything in, in his power to go to jail. He is pimping and using drugs. He got his hair conked, uh, just uh, into all kinds of stuff. And then he goes to jail, and then he discovers that there is another, another life that you can possibly lead. So, for example, so that's a great story to share with someone uh, who doesn't think that there's anything else they can do with their lives. Right, mm -hmm. right. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, would, would, would there be class participation where they would express <laughs> it would what be, they would think? You know, it would be. It took a while to kind of um, break them down uh, so that I could just start to talk to them. And I don't know if break them down is the correct term, but just or like. Or break through to them. Break through, yeah. <laughs> could you just relax for a minute? Right. And so it would be like, I'm already relaxed. You know, no, no, I don't want you to relax like that. Like, you know. Oh, Mrs. Faison, we don't, we don't want to do this. Da -da -da -da. We ain't going to do it. Da -da. You know, take the book, toss it in the air. It was it was wild. But after a while, though, they did come around. Mm -hmm. And after a while, you, you can't reach every person. Right. But there would be a few that would say, wow, this was prolific. This was profound information. Uh, I'm glad I, I found out more about Malcolm X. Right. Mm -hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, we are here with Miss Deborah Kirkland. Mm -hmm. uh, she has a children's storytelling business that focuses on the African-American culture. Uh, she has also been uh, nominated, well, no, she received an award, mm -hmm. Women of the Year for Business for the National Council of Negro Women. And uh, this is the time of the year where she's quite busy because right. of Kwanzaa. Kwanzaa. And tell us about Kwanzaa for our, oh, our radio sure. listeners who right. might right. hear Kwanzaa or see the candles right. on, on the TV sure. commercials. Right. Share with us about what, what Kwanzaa is all about. Well, in the 60s um, in uh, Watts, California, uh, black section of Los Angeles, a 19-year-old kid was shot in the back by the LAPD. And, of course, uh, the people in the community were extremely frustrated about 
that particular incident. That riot destroyed the entire community, and now you have to rebuild it. Uh, in their frustration, they tore up their own community. So there was a, a scholar, uh, Dr. Kranga, uh, who was a professor at a college there, and uh, he says, well, we need to rebuild our community. And he felt like, yeah, you can rebuild some of these stores and clean up the glass off the streets and replace it, but he felt like the community needed to be rebuilt, not uh, physically, but mentally. We had to start looking at things a little bit differently. And being a scholar, he came up with the concept of Kwanzaa. He, he wanted it to have a, an African flavor or influence, so he kind of looked up some information or researched, and he found that in Africa, they have a, a festival that is called Kwanzaa, which is really when people harvest their fruits and vegetables. And at that point, they have a big celebration because I guess it's surplus. I guess they take it to market. They sell the surplus. Let, let all our neighbors get together and, and, and eat these fruits and vegetables. And that's called Kwanzaa. So Dr. Um, Karenga said, well, I'll add an additional A for it to the end of it. And that will be like African-American Kwanzaa. And so he started off with Kwanzaa here in, in the United States. So if you talk about celebrating Kwanzaa uh, in Africa, they'll be like, oh, you had a good harvest. They won't necessarily know that you're talking about these seven days that happened right after Christmas. And each one of those days he felt should, uh, we should view and think about a particular principle. And though you had some, so now you have these seven principles and each day you light the candle and you talk about what this particular day means. For example, the first day is Umoja, which is Swahili for unity. And you light the black candle and you talk about unity and it's unity in your home, your family, your community and for the race how you can celebrate it, how you can improve upon it, how you can think about it, how you can teach about it. And why did he choose seven days? That's a good question. I really don't know. Like, took, <laughs> took on seven days to create the earth. So. Yes, maybe so. Seven seems to be a lucky number. Right. I'm born seven, seven. It seems to be just a good and number. But I don't really know. I, that's a good question. Now, Kwanzaa mm -hmm. is a particular day of the month in December that right. it starts? It starts the day after Christmas. And the day lasts, after Christmas. Mm -hmm, the 26th, and it lasts for seven days. And the last day is a big feast. And uh, every day, what I really like about Kwanzaa, uh, which I try to share with a lot of people, is that it takes you out of the Christmas spirit of um, having to spend a lot of money. You can exchange gifts every day of the seven days of Kwanzaa, but they should be gifts that are homemade. Or you can do something like spend time with a loved one or write someone, you know, a letter or give someone a book or make a music CD or buy a CD or give them music or take them maybe to a movie or to a show or cook a good meal. It's not like, okay, let me go buy your fur coat, diamond. Oh, those, those things are nice too. No. <laughs> but it's not so much about getting caught up in the economics of Christmas. But Kwanzaa should never ever be confused 
as a black Christmas because it is not uh, a spiritual or religious celebration. It's only a cultural celebration. Okay, that, that's very important, very good mm-hmm. to know. Um, let's switch gears. Let's talk mm-hmm. about um, eyes. You are a, yeah. a, uh, a reader for eyes. I How am. did you come about to, right. to be part of this great Okay. Um, philanthropic organization. Uh, just it was just wonderful. But um, I was um, a radio announcer years ago. I think we talked about that earlier. And now um, I'm looking to get back into that that world of broadcasting. In particular, I wanted to get into the world of voiceovers. So I've been taking classes and I've been uh, reading for agents. I've, I haven't had much luck, but I'm, I'm in the game. And um, I took a course at Columbia High School in uh, Maplewood. They had an adult course for uh, voiceover. And as I'm sitting in the class and I'm getting all these pointers, a young lady was saying like, oh, you know, um, Eyes of New Jersey is kind of right up the road. And that's a great on your skills. Uh, And I was like, wow, they'll take me. I'd love to. As well as self-serving myself with practicing how to read, I said it's also would be something nice to do. I read and it, it goes out over the internet and it goes down a, um, a, a narrow band uh, of, of, um, to homes of folks who are blind who have these little um, uh, radio type uh, instruments in their home and I read for them the Wall Street Journal on Saturdays. Mm-hmm. Just Saturdays? <laughs> I only work on the week. I, only, I can only volunteer for them on the weekends. No, that's nice, though. Yeah. But, and how much of the Wall Street Journal do you read? I read an hour. I read an hour. So I take a few articles from the local, the national, international. Uh, they also have a New York section. I also read uh, a couple of the weekend columns. Um, so it's almost like you're your own editor. Yeah. You get to select. Uh, I do. They they actually mm-hmm. let you do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so far, so good. I've been there since April, and uh, they haven't told me not to come back yet. So I guess everything is working out pretty good. It, it's really, it is really quite fulfilling, too. The thing about it is that we have a number of folks within our community that mm-hmm. don't know about eyes. Right. People who, um, they're not blind, but they... You know, their their eyesight it's not the best because of glaucoma and a few right. other things. And it's right, diabetes, which runs rampant in our community too. Yes. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that um, as a new board member of Eyes I'm really looking forward to is to help to get the message out. That's a great idea. Yeah. That's because you could have the greatest thing going, but if no one knows of this service, then it's practically useless. So definitely marketing would be key to getting the word out about about eyes. And not only for the people who would um, be able to take advantage of the service, but I, I'm sure eyes, because it's nonprofit, it needs to support as well. Oh, it does. And so when you read, are you reading live or are you reading mm-hmm. to record? I'm reading just like I'm talking. Oh, I, I'm reading... I can. I have an option to do either right. or. My uh, hours or uh, airs at twelve noon on Saturday. That's your. That's your time. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so I come in. Um, I can come in and read it live at twelve noon, mm-hmm. or I can pre-record it. I always like to pre-record because I always like to have a little uh, area in case something sure. goes wrong, or right. I sneeze, or cough, or. Uh, something like that. The well, engineer. you're a human. <laughs> yeah. 
uh, the engineer will have a chance to to uh, mm-hmm. I have a chance to redo it right. if necessary. So what's what's next for you, Deborah? Um, you've expressed know. an interest to get back into radio. You're right. you're giving of your time right. to eyes, and you're, you're right. doing these great cultural activities within right. the community. What, right. What's what's the next? Step? I don't know. I pray an awful lot, mm-hmm. and I've uh, as as the old folks say, I've taken it to the altar. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know God knows my heart's desire, mm-hmm. which is to either go back into radio or to go into the voiceover world. Uh, God gave me a gift. I'd like to use it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it seems to be kind of tricky navigating it. But I know that every day I get, I feel like I'm getting closer and closer to that goal. Just the simple fact that I was able to meet you. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually on the radio with you, uh, talking with you. Well, you know, I have mm-hmm. two listeners, my wife <laughs> and my mother. So That's, that's what I appreciate, <laughs> two, two more than I have. So, you know. <laughs> so I feel like, you know, I'm getting closer. And I know that they say you should be prepared for your opportunity. Right. So even though your opportunity may not be within your eyesight, that you should always continue to prepare for it. Because when opportunity knocks, you want to be able to take advantage of it. Right. But if you're not prepared for it, if your skills aren't at the level, at the best that you can get them. Right. Uh, you may miss that opportunity. Well, this program is about leadership, mm-hmm. and uh, I often do segments on local leaders. I consider you to be a local leader Thank with you. your work with the youth and your work over at Eyes. Um, believe it or not, uh, our time has run out, <laughs> but I want to thank you for coming on the program. Thank you so much for having me. It's just been a, a complete honor to be here with you. Oh, very nice. Thank it's you. very nice of you. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're here with our guest, Deborah Kirkland who is an African-American storyteller, as well as her volunteer work with the Eyes Organization of New Jersey. Remember, uh, this is Darrell Gunter, your host for Leadership on WSOU 89.5 FM and streaming on the net at WSOU.net. And remember, leadership. This is Darrell Gunter, your host for Leadership on WSOU 89.5 FM and streaming on the net at WSOU.net. Remember, leadership begins with you. Have a great weekend.